I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC, our podcast where we join the Babysitter's Club as grown 30-year-old women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we are super excited about it, especially because at this point in our BSC journey, we are working our way through season two of the new Netflix series, and we have been having the best time. This week, we are up to episode three of season two, which is Stacy's Emergency. So this is, well, we, this is not a book that we've read yet. We did look at the list and see that this, that there is a book called Stacy's Emergency later on in the series. I I haven't read that one. Kate, what about you? Yeah, I don't think I've ever read it. I think that there's an episode of the original series, like the the one that's like on HBO or was on HBO, um, the one that Zach Braff was on back in like the 90s. I think there was an episode that was this because I remember Stacey doing like fashiony things, like taking pictures and being a model maybe. So I don't know if that's what that was pulling from, but I don't think I've ever read this book. Like obviously we haven't read it in our revisiting of the series, you know, because it hasn't been in this, you know, it's it's after the point that we have reached basically. Um, right. Yeah. So I I have no means uh, of comparing and contrasting as we've done with our past episodes uh, discussing the Netflix series because I have no clue <laughs> what happens in that book. <laughs> Same. So we'll, I, we'll, like we always do, talk a little bit about how this fits in in the, in the series with the books and everything. But before we do that, let's talk about what is the plot, since it was one that we weren't familiar with. So what does happen in this one? Um, yeah, so this book is obviously a Stacy book, or not, it's not a book, it's an episode. <laughs> it's a Stacy episode, <laughs> um, where, you know, we've got her feeling like she knows what she's doing with her diabetes, and as a result, she gets asked to be the poster child for uh, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation for being on the cover of their magazine for a month and um, be sort of the chair keynote speaker at a gala about, uh, you know, raising funds for the JDRF, and, you know, she's going through everything and she sort of ends up having some difficulties with her diabetes and, um, you know, has some difficulties with her friends as a result because she doesn't necessarily want to admit that she's having those problems. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she realizes she's having some issues. She reaches out for help. She apologizes to the babysitters club for the way that she was treating them when all they wanted to do was help her. So that, yeah, that's sort of everything with Stacey in this episode. And then the, the sort of, B plot is um, we get some some of the adult time. <laughs> Sharon and Liz are hanging out, and <laughs> Liz tells Sharon that you know she's really excited about the prospect of maybe you know adding to her family, um, expanding the family, adding another child. However, that child might come into their family, and you know she's excited about it, but doesn't want to get her hopes up. She doesn't want to get Christie's hopes up, but. Obviously, you know, we've seen this from Dawn before. Sharon tells Dawn something and then Dawn tells Christy what she's heard. And so Christy, you know, maybe doesn't react as well as we would hope because she feels like her mom's keeping secrets from her. And we know how Christy feels about people keeping secrets from her. But ultimately, she and Liz get back to a good place by the end, too. They have, you know, that Danny Tanner moment we always talk about. And, you know, we we get some foreshadowing perhaps for an expansion of the Thomas Brewer family in the future although probably not in the same way it was in the book. So, I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's sort of where we're at on that. That's interesting. I um, took it as absolute foreshadowing that the adoption was for sure going to happen, that a big conversation, like the conversation that Sharon and Edie were having, which don't even get me started on that. I, I really like that Sharon Porter's character less and less, and they're not doing any of your favors on this series, but like how fucking inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You're 
adult friend talks to you not only about she and her husband are thinking about having a baby, but the conversation is really around Liz's, Edie's, like, nervousness around Mm -hmm. whether or not she can have a baby and, like, this time of life and not wanting to get her hopes up about how... And, and, like, she's talking about what it would be like to do it with a partner. Like, this is serious adult conversation. Literally no part of that was appropriate to share with Dawn. That is some fucking bullshit. And I'm a little annoyed at the show for doing that and not being like, oh, this is like having a conversation with Liz and Edie and... Liz, Edie, and Sharon and being like, hey, this is this is not okay. You don't get to, you know, or, or any kind of, like, acknowledgement that that is massively inappropriate. It really, really pissed me off. I'm not going to lie. Like, I the, the plot line itself, I think, was good and cute. And you mentioned, you know, like, Christy's not upset about the baby. She's upset that, you know, she's being left out of the conversation, which is valid. Mm-hmm. And I, based on the way that... Liz, Edie, and Watson have been talking about it, it seems like that was going to be part of the conversation when they got to that part. Like, they they aren't there yet. Anyway, the whole thing really pissed me off. I didn't know if you had as strong of a reaction or if it was just sort of like a, I don't know, it it played like it was supposed to be brushed off. And that is not okay. Yeah, like... I mean, I think you have always had very strong feelings around Sharon, whether it's book Sharon or show Sharon, um, or stronger feelings than I have. I mean, I definitely agree, though. Like, the the fact that Sharon and Don have this maybe a little bit too friendly as opposed to parent and child relationship, I think, is something that we've seen a lot. Um, but this time in particular, as you said, like, this is kind of a, a big deal. And the fact that it's not even acknowledged, like... Maybe you shouldn't have done that, Sharon. Like, thank you for, you know, adding this sort of hiccup in my relationship with my daughter and the rest of my family because you felt like you could share my personal information with your daughter. Um, yeah, because I, 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 I even think even though it's not part of the child storyline, you know, and kids watching this maybe don't care as much about the parents. I think that would also just be a helpful thing for kids to see is, you know, adults can screw up, but, you know, same thing for you. If you're having a conversation with your friend and they're telling you something that's really, you know, sort of important and something that, you know, important to them and not something that they're willing to or able or ready to share with other people, you should hold that in confidence. You know, they're trusting you with with their information, their personal secrets. And that means that you don't share them with other people. And I think that it definitely does get glossed over that, you know, Liz is sharing something really sort of new and things that she's not really sure where it's going to go or what's even possible. And for Sharon to share it with anyone, but most of all with her daughter, who is very good friends with Liz's daughter, is kind of an issue. (laughs) Yeah, it was just really upsetting, especially because it it almost played like a parallel when later in the episode, Stacey, it's before she like admits that she has a a problem going on with her diabetes. She wants to pretend like everything's under control. And Claudia is trying to help her. She's shutting Claudia down. And Claudia says something to the rest of the group, like, hey, you know, Stacey's upset. Mm -hmm. And maybe... Not even maybe. Yes, let's be honest. Claudia did not handle it in the most sensitive way. She said she's super cranky. But you know what? It was true. And then Stacy like, yells at Claudia for sharing private information with the rest of the group. I told you that in confidence or whatever, which is the same situation. And it gets played in that moment to me as if Stacy was in the right and Claudia was wrong. When Claudia was sharing, like, 
hey, I'm concerned about mm-hmm. our friend and not – yeah, it just – it really rubbed me the wrong way in a massive way. In an otherwise, I thought, really good episode that had some really great messaging around its big Danny Tanner themes. Which, let's change the topic slightly to get to them, because otherwise I'll just get more angry. <laughs> and we know how that goes when that happens. So, as you mentioned, the big Danny Tanner moment, there were a couple of them in this episode. But they all, for me, kind of centered around the idea of, like, health and body autonomy. I mean, they sort of explicitly state the message as be kind to yourself, which I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And just just like last episode, I think they did a really nice job of showing like a couple of different versions of how that showed up, right? Like so we just talked about the the Edie stuff. Her conversation was around her body and like wanting to ha- create life but not being sure that that was even possible for her and what would that look like you know even post being pregnancy and having the baby you know being a parent at that age and um you know being kind to yourself about that process um we talked about Stacy you know not admitting that that she was having issues i think that that was a really great i, I the thing that i kept coming back to with that was like being rewarded for authenticity versus some fake version of of perfection. And I found that really, really wonderful because toward the end, I was really, at first I was getting frustrated with Stacey. I'm like, okay, you're, you're smarter than this. Like speak up and talk to your, your doctors or your parents. But as it went on and everyone kept talking about how great she was and how responsible she was and how amazing it was that she was handling it, I started to really empathize with this idea of, if everybody keeps telling you how wonderful you are at things and how great it is that they don't have to worry about you, it really internalizes into this place where you feel like you can't admit that you need help, that things are wrong, because all you've ever been told is how wonderful it is that you don't need help, that you are so easy, that you can be counted on. And it's it's exhausting. So that was, I, I thought, really, really powerful. And I didn't know if that was, again, me over-identifying or if that was something that really played out strongly for you as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it was definitely um, interesting to see that because, yeah, I mean, because like you said, it's you're watching this happen and clearly, you know, Stacey's got this app and it even can tell her, like, your blood sugar is too high, your blood sugar is too low. And even then she's like, oh, well, the app's probably not working. You know, it's like you get so frustrated with her for not taking it more seriously. But we're we're shown throughout the whole episode, including Stacey talking about herself. You know, she feels like she's got this under control. She knows what she's doing. She It's like a math problem and she's really good at math so she can solve it. And, you know, she gets put up for, you know, accolades basically for because she's so good at managing it and she doesn't want to disappoint anyone she doesn't want to disappoint herself because it just you know she's she's taken in what everyone's told her and she believes it about herself and if she asked if she asks for help she's not living up to her own expectations of herself or anyone else's and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be a problem and um and it's it, like it's i can understand that feeling it's just so sort of I mean, heartbreaking is maybe a little bit too strong a word, but it's just so like, it's so sad to see someone having a difficult situation and putting themselves in that place where they're not willing or able to ask for help, even though it'd be so easy. I mean, Claudia gives her so many opportunities, Mm -hmm. like 
you seem like you're a little bit stressed. Do you need anything? Oh, your blood sugar seems, I mean, I guess she doesn't call out that her blood sugar is low, but you know, Stacy even identifies like I'm snapping at people. I'm tired, which is a sign of low blood sugar. And she looks at her app and she's not going on stage yet, but even then she doesn't like grab a snack from the table in front of her. Like there there's juice, there's other things that she could use to raise her blood sugar. And she doesn't even do it then. And it's like, oh, I just felt for her because, you know, she has that type A personality and she feels like she can control everything and she doesn't want to let anything get in the way of that feeling that she has everything in control. And it's just, it's so bad. And I mean, not bad, but it just, it hurts my heart watching it because I just don't want her to feel that way. And it, it feels like we end the episode in a better place. She realizes she can ask for help. Hopefully in the future, that means she'll ask for help earlier, you know, when things are initially starting to maybe be an issue as opposed to waiting until everything is so overwhelming and she just doesn't Mm -hmm. know how to get her way out of it at that point and she's sort of completely underwater. So I think that's also a good lesson to learn too. You know, like you don't have to be perfect. Ask for help. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And I think that that is, you brought up two things that really sort of struck me that I hadn't fully like processed out, I guess. But like the stuff with Claudia, we kind of touched on that, but you talked about how, you know, Claudia was was being very good at first about, you know, not calling her out, but just saying like, hey, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And 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 you know, you want Stacy to to say something. It's her best friend. Like this is who you should be able to say something to. And yet I totally felt her on like if she felt like she should be in control of it, then admitting that she wasn't is, you know, like we were talking about. But even having someone point out that it could be like that then that's even worse for her because it's oh i'm obviously screwing up so much that other people can tell right mm-hmm. and i can see how that would double it down um and on top of that you were talking about like the type a personality and the control and i think that really ties in nicely to i think what like liz Edie was talking about with her idea around you know health and and not being in control necessarily of of the future because what you want may not be a physical possibility for you. And I think for someone like Stacy, who is so in control and who is so type A, and they do talk about it a, a little bit at the end, the doctor talks about, you know, even people who think they have it under control sometimes aren't. And Stacy mentions that, you know, she felt so helpless after her diagnosis and she never wanted to feel that way again. I think a big part of what we were seeing is, is denial mm-hmm. that, she was out of control and that like the thing she kept saying was oh it every time that there was initially something that was showing up on her app she was addressing it you know she was drinking the water to bring her blood sugar down she was eating drinking juice to bring it up but she was in denial that those spikes were indicative that something was out of balance and it wasn't just a this is a small thing that Mm -hmm. i can get back into line with this equation and i think that that level of denial is i think I mean, I certainly don't have the same type of chronic illness, but like definitely I can relate to the fact that I've been in long-term denial about the ways in which my ADHD affects my daily life. Like we've talked about that before, but that felt, as you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense too, that she wouldn't even want to admit that there was a problem because there can't be because she's in control of her mm-hmm. own body and her own life and this diabetes is not going to control her. Right. And that I mean that's that's heartbreaking. I think I don't think heartbreaking is too strong of a word at all. I think that's heartbreaking for anyone let alone 
a, a middle school girl. I mean, we can't overlook this episode starts with Stacy talking about how her, her dad talks about how middle school was the worst time in his life or uh, most people's lives. And, oh, I'll second that. I hated middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, middle school was far, far worse for me than high school. So I, I think that that's a really interesting wrinkle in this that Stacy wants to be so mature, mature, wants to be seen as mature. That's so such a part of her character that she can sometimes skip past anything that makes her feel like a kid. And this definitely would, which is really fascinating. I hadn't thought about that at all. So all of that together, I think, really does such a great job of leading us to that be kind, mm-hmm. you know, overall uh, you know, we talk about subtlety versus not subtlety in the last episode. But when it comes to the themes of the episode, it's not terribly subtle. And and not in a bad way, though. I think the, they can be so blunt with the theme because they do have all of these, like, smaller ways that that shows up to yourself. Like, Stacey needs to be kind to herself that it's not always going to be perfect and she can't always control it. And Edie needs to be kind to herself that, you know... However it happens, there are ways to build a family, et cetera, et cetera. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I I really loved that messaging just as a – I think more of us need – I certainly need that messaging <laughs> on the regular. Yeah, I think that was a really nice subject. I mean, obviously, this is – the story in this episode is, you know – Kind almost not kind of it it it's dramatic. I mean, if Stacy really didn't ever ask for help, there could be some real repercussions in her life. And I mm-hmm. think that having the theme, you know, the overarching theme of the episode, be be kind to yourself, was really a nice way to sort of point out that by being kind to yourself, it's not just about being kind to yourself. It's about what that actually means and what that ultimately results in, you know, being kind to yourself is mm-hmm. in, you know, for Stacy in particular, acknowledging that you don't have everything under control or, you know, you're, you're as in control as you can be, but you have to acknowledge that maybe you're not going to be able to, and that's okay. And ask for help. And, you know, so by being kind to herself, she knows to ask for help and she knows to take care of herself so that hopefully it won't ever get to the point where she's, you know, going into diabetic shock or, you know, having a seizure or, you know, wetting her pants or any of the things we saw in the first season in that, you know, viral video that her bullies were sending around at her old school, you know, she knows to ask for help now and she can hopefully avoid those things in the future. And, you know, with Liz being kind to herself and I I guess you, like you said, you, you sort of took it as it's definitely a sign that they're just going to adopt as opposed to, you know, go through IVF or other things like that. I mean, I think that ultimately, though, is the point. Like Liz needs to understand that if she, you know, if her body's not able to carry a baby, that doesn't mean that they can't add to their family. And, you know, whatever she needs for herself to get to that point, you know, she needs to give her, cut herself some slack and, you know, be okay with where life takes her and where, you know, where her family ends up and, you know, what she and Watson ultimately are able to do and willing to do and decide to do. Um, I think it it helps that it it is sort of dramatic storylines, but ultimately the the end result is nice, you know, like be kind to yourself. It's it's just a nice thing. And like you said, we all need to remind ourselves of that. And so watching this episode where, you know, maybe I don't have anything in my life that's nearly as dramatic as, you know, dealing with concerns over diabetes or potential um, fertility issues, but I can still be kind to myself about plenty of things on a daily basis. So it's nice to get that reminder. 
Right. And I, I think it's really, I hadn't even really thought about the fact that it could have just as easily been the message like, you know, take care of yourself mm-hmm. or take your health seriously or speak up when something is wrong. And instead of going any of those routes that felt, that would have felt um, not necessarily condemning, but like a referendum on Stacey's behavior, I- instead it was about empathy and, mm-hmm. and grace and 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 understanding that people are going to mess up and not everything is going to work out the way that exactly that you want it to and that the way that you think it should. But if you show up authentically, then you are going to be okay mm-hmm. no matter what happens. And I, I think that that's – you're exactly right. That's such a powerful message to give to kids that like, mm-hmm. hey – I think if 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 it had ended with Stacy being punished in some way, either by the adults or by the you know the universe of within the show, the way that you know characters get punished in horror movies for mm-hmm. immoral behavior, you know that kind of thing, I, I think it could have sent a really kind of dangerous message to kids. So I really I think that's a really beautiful insight. I, I love that. The thing is for me because this is a book that. I'm not familiar with, and it sounds like you you weren't either. I have no idea, like you said before, like, is this the actual plot mm-hmm. of, of that book? But either way, I think it's really curious that they chose to – I mean, they've done some out of order, but it stayed pretty close to what's going on. Um, whereas if we had stayed with where we are in the book series, this would be uh, goodbye, Stacy, goodbye. So I, I think instead of trying to compare it to what the book is, since we don't know – I think it's interesting to point out what this is possibly indicating for Stacy and her arc. Like, do we think she's going to go back to New York at all? Her parents, there was no real hint of trouble in this mm-hmm. episode. I mean, they weren't like, they weren't the focus, although they haven't been to this point at all. So I would be a little surprised if they randomly like tried to bring in the divorce aspect right. because if you, they've done such a good job of, you know, giving the other adults interior lives. I mean, just in this episode, we got that beautiful conversation with Liz and Sharon that Sharon had to ruin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, what did, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of torn. I think that – I think it'd be more likely that we see the divorce storyline rather than the move back to New York and then back again plotline. But I, I – but I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I think it – it would either be sort of like one or the other, like they're moving back to New York and staying there, which I don't think they would do, or they'll be the divorce, but they'll just, you know, they'll she'll just stay in Stony Brook. And I think, you know, this it was sort of interesting that this was the next episode after <laughs> I raised at the end of our last episode, like Jesse in the books moved into Stacy's house when Stacy's family moves back to yep. New York, but Jesse's already here and Stacy's parents aren't divorced, so there's not that storyline. There's we're probably not going to get, um, you know, the the mystery of, you know, the the trunk at Stacy's house because she's probably not going to move to a different house in Stony Brook at this point. So, sorry, Mallory, we're not going <laughs> to get your your hunt for <laughs> the ghost that lives in Stacy's house. But um, yeah, I just I think it's it's sort of interesting, and I I feel like maybe they've. I'm not maybe they've definitely condensed some things and rearranged some things, and mm-hmm. you know reevaluated how they wanted to tell certain stories. And I think that, um, like you said, I think it would be sort of strange at this point for everything that happens in Stacey's storyline with, you know, the the move back to New York and then her parents fighting and then divorce. And I don't know that we have the bandwidth to devote to her parents. You know, we 
we don't really get, and I don't know what we might get in the rest of this season. Like maybe we'll get some more with with Claudia's family because we did get some of their um, her parents in the first season. But I I feel like the show has sort of made the decision that um, uh, like Richard and Sharon and then Liz and Watson are sort of the only adults we really get any significant mm-hmm. insight into. And I I I think that probably makes sense just because. There's already a lot of characters on this show, so we, like I said, we we don't have a lot of bandwidth to devote to, you know, giving us some some background and some some character on the McGills, and then also <laughs> going from there to their marital issues and divorce. And um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of divorce story, whether it's um, whether it's Stacy's story similar to how it happens in the books, or if we get it another way, just because that is something that kids deal with yeah. and they have been dealing with and I I it would surprise me if we don't get something to that effect but I don't know how it will really fit in with what we've seen to date. Yeah, I think that that is as you were talking about like all the things that did go into those Stacy beats and where we are in the book series, I had kind of forgotten that one of our big topics around that was how fast mm-hmm. and how forced it all was. And I think you're right on the show, it would feel even more like whiplash inducing. Right. But you're right. I really kind of, as much as the moving back and forth to New York doesn't, I don't think that's necessary or would add anything or or rather would really harm anything by not having that plot line. I think that if they do do the McGill divorce and then have her dad move back and then it can still be the plot line about Stacey being torn between, mm-hmm. you know, New York and Stony Brook just without the having to move production. I mean, logistically for a television series, that's way more complicated than, you know, writing it in a book. Right. So I, I can see why they definitely made those changes. Uh, again, uh, I think of the changes we've seen so far, none of them have really bothered me to, to or ruined my enjoyment to that much. Some of them, you know, I've been more like, oh, that, that's cool than others. but. I mean, I don't think that this one for me creates any kind of, you know, tension or any mm-hmm. kind of, oh man, I'm really bummed that we're missing the way that the fact that we don't have Jeff involved right. has led to some, oh, I'm I'm really bummed we're not gonna get that plot line. I I don't really feel that way about Stacy's. So I, I don't know if that's fair, but that's where I land on it. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, it really it felt like whiplash in the books. So in a TV show, even if it was, you know, she moves back in this season and then next season the divorce happens, like even then it's still just like way too fast. <laughs> so I, I think it it just wouldn't work. So we'll we'll see what happens, but And I think you are totally right that, you know, it would still be helpful to have a divorce storyline, but it certainly wasn't groundbreaking the way that it was in 1986 True. or 87 when that book came out, even 1990. I mean, I remember, I vividly remember the first, I mean, granted, I went to a small Catholic grade school, so, you know, all that implication, but I vividly remember the first time one of my friend's parents split, and we've we've talked about that some to some degree, too, so I, I don't think it's as... I think it's far more understood now, far more um, – I don't want to say common because it, it, the divorce rates haven't really changed that much, but it's far more – it's far less taboo. Yeah. People talk about it a lot more. People understand a lot better how to do it with kids, how to do it right, and you know the impact if you get it wrong. So I don't think it's quite as um, – 
powerful of a mm-hmm. storyline for kids today that it would be that it was then. And I'm glad that we're getting things that are more emphasizing like Stacy's body autonomy and and you know managing her own health mm-hmm. and you know Claudia learning how to connect to others. Those those are more impactful storylines. And I guess I don't know. Again, maybe that's just unfair from from my adult vantage point, mm-hmm. but I think I think the show is right to place its emphasis on other topics yeah. that don't get as much conversation. I definitely agree. And I guess speaking of Claudia maybe learning how to interact with other people, since we talked about Mallory and how we felt about her characterization in the last episode, how did you feel in this yeah. episode? <laughs> oh my God, how did it get worse? Like, this is nothing against Vivian Watson. I think the actress playing Mallory, she's doing a fabulous job. She's honestly, she's adorable. I, it feels to me that this is more like how she's being directed and how she's being scripted, but it just feels over the top annoying in a way that, I don't know, it feels almost out of step with the rest of this show that tends to be more balanced and measured. But again, I can't tell if that's just me being overly sensitive because I was at that point, at, toward the end of this episode, I realized I was getting like overly invested in on a lot of different levels. <laughs> so that could have been me. But or was I not alone in that annoyance? Um, I actually thought she was better in this episode. I think mostly, though, oh, it was because because um, what was the thing that was most frustrating in the last episode was how like she sort of idolized the babysitter's club and like that was all she would talk about and she kept like putting herself down in comparison to Claudia and like I wish I was like you and why can't I be like you and blah 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 and I feel like here we still got her awkwardness and we got her you know obviously she still loves the rest of the babysitter's club and looks up to them but I felt like it was more um friendly you know like when she's at claudia's house Mm -hmm. and they're working on decorating the bags it's you know her and stacy and claudia and you know she clearly wants to impress them but it's she's still just you know hanging out with them and i i and maybe it was i was just in a a different headspace watching this episode again or um since i watched it like literally right before we talked right now i don't know (laughs) if you know if if our conversation yesterday because we're recording these back to back you know peek behind the curtains everyone so I think that was sort of fresh in my mind as I was watching it again. And I think that that might have been that might have been part of the reason. But I felt I I liked her more. I was less annoyed by her in this episode, I think, because she felt less like she was idolizing the Babysitter's Club and more, you know, part of that group and felt included. And there was there was less focus on her only talking about herself or the other babysitters club or herself in relation to the other babysitters. Whereas here she had some sort of silly things to do, like at the silent auction, you know, she's trying to get Mrs. Papadagas to buy power tools instead of, um, (laughs) instead of the bassinet that Christy wants to win for Edie and Watson. And, you know, she has some sort of awkward selling and then she turns it on inadvertently and sort of, you know, yelps because she freaks herself out. I like it just felt like she's more she's awkward, obviously. And I I think that's it felt closer to what we've talked about in the books. Like looking back, she's not she's not as bad as we remember her. And I feel like she got closer to that not as bad version in this episode. That is interesting because I had the complete opposite reaction to that that scene in particular. That's when I really like when she yelped when she 
hit that power tool. I rolled my eyes so hard. I thought that was so obnoxious. I thought the scene with her hanging out with Claudia and Stacy, begging Stacy, who was clearly not feeling well, to do a fishtail, like not even looking up how to spell diabetes, that doesn't didn't feel like Mallory of the book to me. The Mallory in the book is really intelligent and thoughtful and is uh, to me, she always felt more interior instead of this like weird spastic, like, look at me, look at me. I don't know. It it didn't ring true for me. But maybe, again, that was just because I was already annoyed and that would would have annoyed me. I very much related to Claudia in that moment. Like, seriously. And also diabetes stuff. Like, OK, it, she's supposed to be, you know, 11, not five. I don't know. It just felt very juvenile in a way that that character is supposed to be more mature that, I don't know, comparatively to Jessie, who we mentioned briefly, you know, she still hasn't had a ton to do, but um, in fact, she's been sort of sidelined in a way that is not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But I, we do get, I, I know if we don't, I, I, I turned it off before it started, but I now know for a fact that we get a Jessie episode in next mm-hmm. so i'm wondering if maybe we're getting so much mallory because we don't get a mallory episode oh that might be it yeah I don't, I don't know if there is a mallory episode or not but that that would make sense since you know they maybe as they're writing it they know that jesse's going to get one where she's the narrator so she's obviously going to be the focus and maybe mallory isn't going to get that so they wanted to give her more stuff to do in other people's episodes perhaps i don't know it just feels like there has been such an outsized amount of her this season compared to really all the rest of the girls. Like, Marianne had nothing to do in this episode. Like, Marianne had nearly nothing to do in the last two episodes. No, that's not true. In the first one, she had the Logan stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. she was barely a presence in the last episode, barely a presence in this episode. And we're getting tons of, like, ooh, Mallory is such a ditz. I, I, that's just not my... Not why I'm watching the show. So, I mean, I, I get why other people might find that, especially kids might find that funny, but I don't know. It just, it it took me out of it rather than um, added anything to it. So, I'll be interesting to continue to track that throughout mm-hmm. the season. And especially depending on my moods. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I do have a couple of, not many, because really the... There wasn't as much going on in this episode. It was sort of like just that one big plot line. As we've mentioned a number of times, we know from the books that Emily Michelle is adopted. How that's going to play out in the show, I don't know. But this did this did feel more like just laying groundwork than its own actual plot line. Mm-hmm. So there just wasn't a, a ton of other stuff. But it did have the single best Easter egg that literally made me squeal and had to go back and uh, rewind um, in the very opening. Did you catch it? I have no idea what you're talking about, so I don't know. <laughs> the teacher's name is Mrs. Katimsky. Yes, I did notice that. I That made me so very happy. I was like, did I hear that right? And I turned, uh, you know, I had to go back and listen to it again. And I was like, okay, that was clearly, that is, I mean, not even a little bit subtle, like straight down the line aimed at us, mm-hmm. um, you know, the parents watching, the, the those of us that grew up watching My So-Called Life. But I just thought that was such a really cool little, little subtle shout out. Um, that, you know, he lives on forever, which yes. I love that. Um, made me so exciting. Although I wish the teacher weren't such a spaz that they gave the name to, you know, they could have picked somebody who was, I mean, you know. I feel like it sort of tracked though, because Mr. Katimsi is sort of in his own head and maybe talks a little bit too much and, you know, 
runs his mouth stream of consciousness. So as as awkward Fair. as Ms. Ms. Katimsky was, she at least sort of felt cut from similar cloth, if not the same cloth, you know, with, I mean, it's very, very more awkward for sure, because she's saying she wishes she was Stacy, which is creepy and weird. Yeah. But uh, personality wise, it and like the way she was acting felt very Mr. Katimsky to me. I guess I just don't know that I would ever see him like, fawning over clothes and like, I want to be you. It just felt a little inappropriate with like a teenage girl and then i remembered oh yeah we're all we're talking about how we want her wardrobe too but i'm also not her teacher and in a position of authority and it's a fictional character i don't know it just felt that that felt a little too far for me but i did love the shout out that made me so very happy but that was like honest to god that was my biggest like random observation that and i have tried been trying to do a fishtail braid my entire life too and still can't make it happen so yeah I felt never everybody's pain <laughs> i also don't think I've, I've had other people try to do them and i think the type of hair that i have it just like it doesn't work like the the texture and that would make like sense. level of thickness or not thickness is it, it just doesn't hold right and ultimately doesn't look right but I do love a fishtail braid on other people. <laughs> yeah. When you have like Blake Lively's hair, it looks stunning. Exactly. When I try to recreate it at home, it just <laughs> <laughs> looks a little bit like I put my finger in a socket and said, hoped for the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is pretty much my hair, you know, go to at all times. My only other sort of random observation, and it's mostly just because I love Mark Evan Jackson so much, you know, they go to the gala and Marianne tells him to steer clear of the champagne and he sort of says under his breath, it only happened once. And I I just I love know. that. And he also brings coasters. <laughs> Liz and Watson are like, okay. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's just because it's Mark Evan Jackson and I yes. love him. Oh, everything about that was so perfect. I was thinking the same thing. I was annoyed in that scene though too, because I was like, of course Sharon's a fucking hour late and sends her daughter with her boyfriend first and I was like even then I at that point I was like okay going too far calm down <laughs> but I was I frankly I want the story of what happened on that that one time on champagne exactly. that even Marianne knows about because that um that has, has to be a really fun story but yeah I loved that and the coasters were so cute mm-hmm. at the gala I thought Edie and Watson looked stunning and um were so cute together mm-hmm. I just I really enjoy that they're actual presences and that we are, you know, that it's not just, hey, ta-da, we adopted a baby and we've not had any discussion or, like, right. build up to this. Whereas this, we're actually seeing that play out realistically of, like, what it's like to blend a family. And, and, and I, again, I mean, I, it's not fair to question any woman's or any person's choices, but like in the books, it does just seem kind of random and to come kind of out of nowhere Mm -hmm. where it's really nice to hear them articulate like, you know, what, like we talked about, about her talking about wanting to do with a good partner and creating this big, beautiful blended family. And, and this one piece could help make it feel more complete. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know that had, that I have conflicted feelings about that sentiment, but it's nice to actually see that, lead up in conversation and we've seen that a couple of different places throughout the series how they've you know sort of expanded plot lines and and foreshadowed and or like we talked about the barrett's last week you know kept it going even beyond the initial like 
Danny Tanner put it in a pretty bow moment. Um, and so I really, I really like that the show is, is doing that to make it feel more. I mean, it's definitely still incredibly episodic. You do not have to watch the entire show to, to know mm-hmm. you, you can pick up any episode and figure out what's going on. But I do like that. I, I prefer a world building, um, environment, you know, as opposed to an NCIS. I guess that's not fair. I've never seen an episode of NCIS, so I don't really know. They probably have mythology, but you know, one of those more procedural shows that it, that you can watch any episode, a, a law and order, right? You mm-hmm. don't really need to know. There's some background stuff, but I like that they do keep that going a little bit. Yeah. I, I love that there's growth in the characters and continuation of storylines. And it's not just each episode is its own thing. And you don't really need to know what has happened before to understand this episode. Yeah. Like, I don't for a second believe that Stacy's diabetes is now just like solved and it's never going to come up again. Right. Like, it is going to continue to um, to be a thing. But I love also that they are going so far to normalize it and really – you know, talking honestly about what it is, uh, like what the actual tools are. I think that that's really cool because that can be scary for a kid, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing what to do. And and you have now have a role model on television. You can see looking at the app that's probably the same app that you have. Right. You know, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I love I love stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. Man, representation for the win. <laughs> the only other thing that I really wanted to call out, and this is, again, stupid and petty, and I know it's like – just television show, you know, like hand wavery. Don't look, don't think too, too hard about it. But I've been involved in a lot of charity galas working with the core kids. And, um, I will tell you that <laughs> the amount of control that Stacy has over this fashion show mm-hmm. is absolutely ludicrous. Like they basically just said, here, 13 year old, plan everything, pick the models, design the stuff, like give the keynote address. I'm, I'm sorry. I've had to sit through a lot of those fashion shows. They usually trot the kid out once they wave and walk back. Mm-hmm. So I just, I mean, I get, I get it was a television show thing, but that did take me out of it for a little while. When the like event planners asking for like input on stuff, I was like, okay, N- no. Yeah. <laughs> it made for a good storyline on the show. In reality, there is 0% chance that she would do anything more than be in the fashion show and maybe make a very short speech about her, you know, personal journey, but she wouldn't be like the main speaker at the event or planning anything herself. Exactly. Right? I mean, being on the cover of the magazine absolutely. Interview inside 1000%. But her like, yeah, the babysitters are going to walk with me. Like, what? <laughs> Some kid came up and was like, all right, I've I've invited six of my friends to to also walk in the fashion show. I'd be like, on what planet are you living? Right. But on the plus side, uh, her dress for the fashion show was incredible. So I mean, there was a lot of good fashion in this one. Was there any other notable things of fashionista one? So the main notable thing is that there were two things worn in this episode that I already own. <laughs> so I was very excited. That's amazing. Um, so Claudia, I mean, Claudia's entire outfit, look, styling, everything at the gala was like chef's kiss. Like Ugh, she, had the, so good. she was wearing this like sleeveless blouse with a huge bow and like this flowy skirt. But her shoes are the thing that I already own, which are these like platform, like chunky, metallic colored 
shoes with like a big flower on them, but like the flowers made out of the same like colors and material as the rest of the shoe. And they're amazing. And I can't wait to wear them somewhere. <laughs> but And then I saw her wearing them and I was just like, oh, my God. Claudia is wearing my shoes. This is amazing. Um, and then also at the end of the episode, when they're doing their replacement fashion show in Claudia's, uh, out of Claudia's closet at the Babysitters Club meeting, um, Marianne is wearing a like vintage enamel or like shell or I don't even know what material it is, even though I own it. It's like a big lion face, like mosaic, basically. Um, and I I own it in that colorway. My mom has had that necklace in it. The one on the show is black and white. The one that my mom owns and has owned since I was a child is black and orange. And part of the reason why I bought a different color is because I'm hoping someday I can convince my mom to give me hers because she doesn't wear much jewelry anymore, at least not big statement necklaces. And as we've discussed, I wear a lot of statement necklaces (laughs) and uh, anything I can do to grow my collection, I will be on the lookout for. So that was the other thing I was like, oh my God, I own it. So now you know how I felt when I saw Don had my tarot cards. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, and then the other thing I immediately purchased because I had to have it was a, a Claudia statement necklace. It's like a rhinestone pineapple, like large rhinestone pineapple. And so that is on its way to me because I didn't order it the first episode, the first time I watched it, even though I literally wrote in my notes, I have to have that pineapple necklace that Claudia is wearing. <laughs> it wasn't until I was rewatching it today and I was like, why don't I just figure out who made it and see if I can find it on eBay or Poshmark or something? Or if it's still available for sale new, I can own it now. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, there's still some available. I will buy one right now. Amazing. So the, those were the the things that I was most excited about. But I, like you said, everyone at the gala looked great. You know, Stacy was wearing like a suit like a blazer style dress, but it had big puff sleeves. It had, um, I think it was pearls sort of decorating it. Um, it was beautiful. Um, Christy was wearing, I mean, our, our little baby lesbian, like the, <laughs> the most like <laughs> right. Alan DeGeneres looking like suiting with a sweater and the button up underneath, like with her white tennis shoes. Like it was, it was a really, really good look. And I, I loved it. I loved it. I couldn't decide what I wanted to wear more, Christy's suit, or I really enjoyed Dawn's, like, Mm multi-patterned, flowy dress. Like, that was very me, too. I own a couple of dresses that are not quite that, but, like, similar. Mm -hmm. I sort of waffle between those two vibes or some kind of weird hybrid therein. But I thought Mary Ann's was really pretty, too. And Mm -hmm. I mentioned uh, Liz Eady's I thought was gorgeous, this, like, that, like, Mm wine-colored silk the neckline on, on hers was really pretty. It was like kind of a folded where it almost kind of looked like it just sort of fell that way, but it was obviously very intentional. I, I just thought it was really beautiful, mm-hmm. but I always love when they get a chance to, to dress up and that fashion show at the end was so much fun. I love, I'm a sucker for those, you know, montage fashion show montage. Yep. And yep. except we we learned that Claudia definitely owns a lot of boas because Almost every single girl had a different boa at parts of <laughs> the fashion show montage, which doesn't – I mean, it's on brand, but it was just a lot of boas. <laughs> you know what? I absolutely buy that Claudia at like seven or eight went through a huge boa phase and now just has them all in her closet as, you know, because she's Claudia and will eventually repurpose them for something mm-hmm. or like create some incredible boa jacket you know, monstrosity that it, we will inevitably envy and covet and 
Yeah, I've made up that headcanon and I'm going to stick with it. I like it. I support it. Okay, well, if you don't have any other fashion items, is there any other final club business? Why don't you just remind everybody where to find us? Because Lord knows we love hearing from people. Of course. Well, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSC. And if you have thoughts that can't be contained in a tweet or an Instagram or a DM on one of those platforms, you can email us at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.